and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With winter's arrival and dark evenings in good supply, this is the perfect time to gain your favourite gardening podcast fix. To help you through the spring, Saul and myself will keep you entertained and informed with podcasts on wide-ranging topics such as winter pruning, propagation and planting. Plus, we'll provide regular updates on important industry developments, along with lively discussions on all manner of horticultural topics. We'll aim to bring you two short 20-minute episodes a week, along with a longer bonus interview with a key green-fingered peer every month. As ever, if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like to hear, please just tap us up on our respective Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. We'd be delighted if you'd join us on this journey as we step inside the busy and exciting world of the modern Head Gardener. Lucy, it's great to see you on another edition of the Talking Heads podcast. I hope everyone's been enjoying the episodes this year so far. We've had We've had some really nice uh, episodes and the interview with Peter was quite nice, wasn't it? Oh, was, that was lovely. Yes, that was very nice. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll have a few more of those. Um, the last, or I think it was second to last episode, we were talking about the NGS, I remember, and how much we were enjoying uh, the prospect of going to see some gardens to get some inspiration. And I'm very lucky that just down the road from me is one of my favourite gardens, uh, a very inspirational garden to me, which is the Garden House, which I'm sure I've mentioned before on the podcast. And I managed to visit it a weekend ago. Um, Lovely. Yeah, to very go and nice. see their Snowdrop collection because they've got a collection of about 170 varieties and species of Snowdrops. Um, I'm not a galanthophile. I'll put that into the mix. <laughs> Are you sure? How many did you come home with? That's the question. Well, I have five at home. And I oh, don't no, think... you're all right. You're dabbling. You're just a oh, dabbler. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm a yeah. dabbler. Yeah, I, I just like a few of them. And they are all very different looking rather than just having a very, I don't know, uh, different shade of white or a little bit of different green on them. But it is the it is the time for snowdrops and they're coming up. I don't know. Have you got many snowdrops at uh, East Donnelland? Oh, wow. Yes, we're lucky. The whole um, bank around the moat, when you drive up the main driveway to look over the, the moat to see the hall, is smothered in snowdrops. It's delicious. It's just gorgeous. They're, it's just the basic species. It's nothing fancy, um, but it's just a carpet of snowdrops. It's just something there that lifts those spirits on those gloomy January days. I really do uh, take any excuse I can to walk around that way at this time of year. And, and talking of lifting spirits, going to the garden house and just spending a couple of hours there, just walking around, seeing the snowdrops, seeing what was happening, seeing the work they're doing there. The the one thing, and I'm sure Lucy's also guilty of, uh, rather than being uh, an ordinary punter, we always do go around with the eye of a professional gardener mm -hmm. and we can see I things, I think, that others may not see. And, and I notice Nick, who's the head gardener at the garden house, a good friend of mine, uh, is way ahead on his work this year, which sort of feeds into the fact that we've been a bit drier than usual down in the West Country. He's managed to start mulching his borders. He really? uses a bracken, Gosh. a composted bracken mulch. Yeah, he's already got a lot of his borders done. Excellent. So um, well done to Nick if he's listening. Uh, I thought it was looking particularly beautiful, but there is something very uplifting about visiting another garden. I know it's lovely that we get to go and see our gardens quite regularly, but going to see somewhere else, it just gives you a bit of a juxtaposition towards your, your own gardening experience. It really does. As you say, it gives you ideas. It gives you food food for thought massively. I do always come away from a, 
a visit to what I would then consider a, a good garden, if it whets my appetite to get back into my own or to back to the hall, to, to crack on with some jobs. I think that's the key to me of a successful visit to, to a garden. Yeah, well, it does, doesn't it? It gives you inspiration. Yeah. It, it, it always makes me feel energised for the next week uh, at Stonelands if I go and see another garden and uh, gives me ideas. Just, you know, uh, we talked about weeding in the last uh, podcast and, and that can be quite a laborious job. There's a lot of it to do. But just go in to see somewhere like the Garden House or one of the other gardens in Devon sort of puts a bit of a spring in my step or a spring in my weeding. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah, if I get these borders done, they'll look as good as uh, the borders I saw at the weekend. And sometimes you do need a spring in your weeding, don't you? You yeah. do need a fair, fair amount <laughs> let's of not bring up. Let's not bring up the iris bed again. I might start crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and talk about gardens. There is another uh, sort of aspect, or, or there was another aspect of our gardening year, which can be inspiring, mm. which is uh, the various uh, flower shows that go on up and down the country. Now, I know that both you and me have really missed uh, especially in 2020 all the yeah. flower shows um, oh massively massively and all the all the, our peers and colleagues and friends there as well and and the gardens exactly. obviously yes yeah, yeah. And, and for people who are new to the podcast me and lucy have been a regular feature at bbc gardeners world live which is one of the larger shows uh, goes on at the nec in birmingham and we didn't do it last year. And I've got to say, I really felt that quite keenly, not being able to see yeah. you for one thing and oh, then not being able to see, like you say, all our friends and, uh, and, and all the nurseries and just have a good chin wag, a big gossip. We like a big a bit of gossip, <laughs> don't we? Gar gardening gossip. That's another episode in itself, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think the problem is it does seem that this year, and we know that this year has started off not, that well we're still in lockdown in the uk and i'm sure mm. many of our international uh listeners are also in some kind of ex exclusion or lockdown or something in their countries but um yeah. unfortunately the the news came out uh this week or was it last week i think it was last week that rhs chelsea has obviously been postponed um usually it takes place in may it's quite a big date in the calendar for all gardeners or or the gardening industry should i say and uh they've obviously taken the uh decision to postpone it to september which is going to be highly unusual because chelsea for its 100 i think it's 104 105 this year has never taken place any other time in spring. It has been cancelled before during the World Wars. It, yes. it didn't take place. We should say that. So it's not unusual for it for not to take place. But it's very unusual for it to be done in the later part of the gardening season. Mm. Do you know what? Um, initially, when I heard the news, I thought, well, yeah, OK, that makes sense. And then I started getting my head around what the repercussions of the implications, yeah, for for garden visitors to to the show, and I got really excited because I love, I, I absolutely adore going to Chelsea. Um, you you do get the the plants that tend to be flowering early in the year. You know, the, mm. like you say, the you know the May June bloomers. So yeah, alliums, essentially sort of early summer plants, mm. um, foxgloves, lupins, all those kind of things. But moving it to September not only then opens the door for designers to get their teeth into plants such as rudbeckias, heleniums, nifophias, um, all those really exciting and, and hot sizzling autumn colours. But the edibles can come forward a bit more, can't they as well? Because, <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's, it's harvest time in September, October. And as a grow your own gal, you know, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Is there going to be 
content-wise for the visitor, a, a, a distinctive shift in your experience? Well, do, do you know, uh, I, I knew you were going to mention edibles, but even for, <laughs> for the exotics, the mad exotics man that I am, oh yes, um, most of my plants are really doing their thing in September. So the yeah. gingers are all flowering, brugmansias are at their height, bananas are all out. I tell you what, a Chelsea with an exotic theme or, or an exotic garden, now that would be something I really haven't probably ever experienced at Chelsea. Well, how lovely that would be. I know. How, do you know what? If you, This sounds like if you and I went to Chelsea um, and, and did a, a podcast from there, that we would just be gushing. You'd expect maybe one hour, two hours, maybe three hours of gushing on about edibles, exotics. It would just be absolute heaven for us, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, it would be really interesting. And I'm very interested to see what kind of garden design styles they bring as well, mm. because... As you've said, the, the one problem with having, and this is not just Chelsea, this is all shows, if they're at a regular time every year, hmm. there can be a feeling of sameness. And uh, Chelsea's not immune to that. Uh, the gardens at Chelsea can have a very uh, distinct style that yes, people know yeah. works. I, I think one of the things about Chelsea and probably one of its... Um, more negative points is that people know what works to get the coveted metals to get the best mm. in show because that's what gives you the publicity and therefore people can stay in sort of the comfort lane sometimes uh, i've got to say that doesn't always happen I, I can remember andy sturgeon two years ago doing a forest garden which was quite unusual at chelsea and actually i absolutely loved that mm. but there are a lot of the contemporary style gardens and also like you were saying the plants of the springtime um, although it's a large palette, it's still a constricted palette for that time of season. So we do see alliums, we do see the steeper gigantia, we do see lupins. Lupins always seem to appear yeah. Uh, yeah. at Chelsea. Am I, am I right? Those saw also in saying that it's partly Latin, but it's partly logistics because mm. the the nurseries that actually can grow the volume of plants to supply the designers for Chelsea Flower Show. Am I right in thinking that now there's fewer nurseries to to choose from, and so the the stock that the garden designers have access to again yeah. is is slightly forcing their hand in that sense yeah chelsea has become constricted to there's there's there used to be a lot of growers in the country and they, again mm. this is going beyond chelsea uh, into just the industry in general yes there used to yeah. be a lot of growers in the country and very specific growers and people could pick and choose now it tends to focus on like you say five to six growers who grow a wholesale of plants uh, to very high quality because that's what chelsea needs or all the other shows but they uh, only have enough space to grow what they can and what generally happens now I, I'm going to uh, I, I know regular listeners will know that I have a history with Chelsea and Hampton Court in that yeah. I used to be the show manager for I both know, the what shows accolade. Amazing. Yeah, thank you very much but um, so I have a bit of an insider scoop into these things But uh, so for new listeners uh, I'm talking with a slight amount of insider knowledge but um, what has happened over the years is that because this smaller number of nurseries are doing it they have to grow within a, a time frame that works for the show and it's usually between 18 to 12 months so a lot of the nurseries have already started growing for Chelsea for May and this is actually probably one of the more controversial um, decisions of moving it to later in the year because there will be a lot of nurseries that will have a lot of stock on hand that they were growing for the show in May that have found that the stock is now redundant. Yeah. So uh, I, I ha 
obviously the decision was only made last week, so I haven't heard much on the on my network anecdotally. But I believe that um, there's going to be a lot of extra plants hanging around in May. So if you're into lupins, foxgloves, alliums, I have a feeling there may be a sufficient surplus. Some mm. deals to be done, yeah. But we were then, before we pressed the record button, we were discussing what, what's been happening to appease the, the, those yeah. nurseries. This is where we think the virtual show has come in to help those nurseries because obviously they do need massive support when we are still under restrictions. And the virtual show in May is still going ahead. Yes, the virtual show is going on the original date, so that's the 18th to 23rd of May. Um, yeah. If you tuned into last year's virtual show, we did a, a small uh, podcast on it. We thought it was actually highly um, innovative. It actually added yeah, I really enjoyed to it. the experience, didn't it? Mm. Um, we saw videos of behind-the-scenes of nurseries. Um, yes, I liked that. It was very insightful. Yeah, Monty did a behind-the-scenes tour of his garden. There was lots of um, workshops and all kinds of things. And for the people who can't get to Chelsea, and, and there's a lot of us, because we live all over the place or the dates don't work out for us. Being able to access that content was quite nice. Yes, yeah, no, it really was. I think I watched, yeah, I watched all the videos and I learned an awful lot. Uh, seeing behind the scenes of the nurseries, I think is something that uh, as, a, as a gardener and as any gardener, they, they would love to see how the professionals produce their, their high quality plants. You know, you're, you're tapping straight into to the veins of these expert growers with decades of experience under their belt. That, that to me is, is, was really a very enjoyable content. What we wanted to do was really look at how, um, obviously, the, for us, modern history, this pandemic has come along and hindered massively the enjoyment of us, of us going to shows. And what we're thinking now is more financial implications to the people that run these shows. And we're seeing how they're now addressing the issue and how they're rolling out ideas to, to try to protect them from any more financial losses and we think obviously the moving the show to September for Chelsea as an example is a very good way to do that mm. um, there are shows I guess got Malvern Three Counties which normally does a spring and an autumn show so their spring show am I right that's been cancelled hasn't that's it? been cancelled yes and the the autumn show is running along the same timeline as the as the new Chelsea date so that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out I guess geographically you know, Chelsea being London-based, Malvern a, a long way away. So, so visitors to London may not then want to go to to Malvern. So, I don't think there's going to be, in that sense, too much of a denting of Malvern's numbers. But there are shows that have all their eggs in one basket financially, and, and normally it's the weather that will make or break these shelves. The RHS Chatsworth show, when it was first. Oh, yes. It turned into a quagmire because of the, the rain. And that, that really dented, obviously, visitor numbers and then the financial implications that that has. But there are shows that do have all their eggs in one basket. And we're, I wonder what, what they're thinking for, for this year, whether they have got some, some plans as the weeks and months go past, they're going to roll out and we'll see what, what they're doing to protect themselves from, from any financial problems. It's, it's interesting uh, with my show manager's hat on um, I think for most people they just see the dates that the show's on the event is on and uh, they just think that's it but actually most of these shows and even the smaller plant fairs and some of the local ones actually take a few months of organizing and you're already having a financial outlay before you even put the show on so you have to make decisions quite early to make sure that you don't suffer too much financial loss and that you're not overbooking venues or you're not um, 
getting uh, exhibitors already sorted out. You've got to give... There's, there's a lot more thought that goes into putting on a show than just having show dates and having people turn up for those weeks. So I can understand highly why uh, the decision has been made on Chelsea quite early. Obviously, we have no idea where the pandemic's going. Hopefully later in the year, the vaccines and all the things we're putting in place will mean that we can open up and do things. But uh, I, I like the thought that actually our show, I think personally, our show and the way we do shows is going to change highly. Uh, especially things like the RHS shows, which are all about the visuals. Say, I think people are going to want to go more towards, and this sort of feeds into the fact that we have these three million, two and a half million new gardeners. The people are going to want more practical-based solutions. They want to go and see how to garden, what they can garden, what plants they can get. They're also going to want a shopping element to it. They are want to go to take away the plants they can see. Mm. That doesn't happen so often at Chelsea. It happens a bit more at Hampton Court and at Tatton and a few of the the, the RHS garden uh, shows. But um, at Chelsea, you don't get that option. And I just think that maybe the the way it's set up is no longer as valid as it used to be. I, I think these were arguments that were being touted p- previous to the pandemic as to whether Chelsea as, a, as an entity was uh, just a bit too, I don't know, high-end for the, the average gardener. You know, whether um, people are looking for something a little bit more different from their shows rather than these high-end show gardens and, you know, expensive plants, expensive sundries, statues they can buy. So I'm quite interested to see that how this pandemic has maybe forced the RHS's hand into changing the way they're going to uh, structure their shows. Well, talking about show gardens, which is for for Chelsea, I imagine it is that is its massive lure for people to see these these impressive, financially heavy uh, show gardens, but. As we've discussed right at the start, they take a long time to put together for the shows. As you say, the nurseries have got to grow the plants on, the designers have got to get involved, the sponsorship deals. That that takes an awful lot of time. Mm, yeah. And so if you have a show that's going to be hit by something like a pandemic or like the weather or whatever it might be that's, yeah. that, that causes it issues, are show gardens going to be such a fundamental part of any show? And the gardens are temporary. Um, you know, they're, mm. they're, they're not there as a permanent structure. So it is a lot of investment to sort of stage build one of the gardens maybe we'll switch to seeing more permanent gardens built at maybe the RHS gardens or at partner gardens that then people can visit um yeah maybe there'll be some sort of tour of gardens that people can go visiting on say a a driving tour or something like that 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 would be quite interesting and then the gardens would be more permanent and also the show dates might be longer Uh, there's a uh, a, a garden festival called the International Garden Festival Chamon-sur-Loire. Sorry, my French is a horrendous pronunciation. I hope I got that right. Which actually put on their show gardens permanently for nine months of the year. So I think that's a really interesting model. Because uh, yeah. one of the things you can do with that is uh, obviously not have everyone crowding together at once in, say, a couple of days. You can actually spread that out. So I wonder if that might be a model towards how our... Uh, garden shows and festivals might go. I think there's some really interesting developments. Yeah, I do feel that plant retail um, sales need to 
need to really be bolstered, don't they, with shows? So you'll probably find that the actual shopping experience, rare plant fairs, they're, yeah. I, I mean, I love going to those because um, they are, to me, they are about the plants. You know, I, I, I do like all the other aspects of shows, all the, all the jazz and all the excitement about the designs and stuff. But actually, just going and buying the plants for me is what I really love doing. And I've been to a few, went to one, one at Great Dixter in the autumn a few years ago, and that was so enjoyable because it was just lots of specialist nurseries all under one roof. Um, there was a few food stores and things as well, but it was mainly just looking at the plants. And it was set at Great Dixter, which again, you know, having a show set at a garden that's there permanently, that's that might be a way to, to look at garden shows in the future. Yeah, I, I think we're... In for some change. Uh, we're in for change anyway, we, in our general lives mm. and, and the way we structure things. But I think specifically for the garden shows, I'm, free, I'm, I'm quite excited to see what ideas come out and what, what actually sticks, what misses. I think it's quite an exciting time for the show seasons and, and seeing what happens. Yeah, what is, what is that phrase? It's necessity is the mother of invention. And I think that's what we're seeing here in so many aspects within our industry and the show's uh, sector is obviously you know not immune to that whatsoever so let's wait and see what unfolds in 2021 for our shows let's hope it also it's can only benefit gardeners like ourselves that concludes today's episode we hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next installment any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter is a natural time in the gardening calendar for reflection, adjustment and musing over new plans for warmer seasons ahead. So Lucy and I hope to inspire and educate with our thoughts. We'll also bring you interviews with some of the very best personalities our industry has to offer. We aim to dispel the myth that gardens, and therefore gardeners, slumber in winter. We promise that in this profession nothing could be further from the truth. As two enthusiastic and passionate head gardeners, winter is a busy season in our calendar. So let us help you keep one step ahead in this most marvellous and rewarding of careers. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye!